Hello, catfish people. Welcome to the Peter Melhorn Fishing Podcast. Well, hello, folks. Welcome to the Dieter Melhorn Fishing Podcast. I hope everybody is having a good day, whatever day it is, wherever you're at. I think this is going to be podcast number 19. Uh, I'm trying to keep better track of them. And uh, I went back and looked and counted them up earlier. And it uh, looks like this is going to come in right around 19. So uh, we're still in our fledgling stages here, trying to figure out how to play this game trying to figure out how to make it work and uh it's been uh it's been fun so far i've had a very good response to it uh, i love getting the feedback from you guys the easiest way to reach out to me right now is just to go to my website dietermelhornfishing.com and uh you can send me an email there uh, i believe my email is set up on there this is bad i don't even know it Dieter at dietermelhornfishing.com so that's kind of easy. The only thing you mess up is spelling my name. So sometimes it's easier to go to the website and uh, just click on the link. But uh, I love getting your feedback and I love hearing from you guys. Um, <clears throat> just let me know how much you like this stuff because uh, I, like I've said in other podcasts, I've been wanting to do this for a while. And this is kind of a grand experiment uh, just to see what works and see what kind of... Uh, just what kind of workflow I can maintain with it uh, or, or, or put in place with it to be able to put stuff out on a halfway regular basis. And uh, people said they like more of them. So we're going to try to do two a week for a while to see if we can make that happen. And uh, this is uh, here in the beginning. We're going to start with a Monday and a Thursday. My video content on YouTube is going up on Tuesday and Friday right now. So uh, I'm going to try to maintain that for a while and see how that goes. Um, ideally, I'd love to keep it at two videos. I don't think I can do more than that. Uh, I may get a little slow depending on what happens during deer season, but I got some plans there to put some stuff in place. So we'll see. Uh, I know the hunting videos are not probably going to do as well on my website right now. And that's just because of the way things have worked out on YouTube with the algorithm and where my content is really peaking at right now. We may try it, though. I may go with the catfish content and then interject some of those. I know in the past, I've had some hunting videos that did really, really good, but I also know that with YouTube and some of their guidelines and stuff right now, it can be, um, I don't know, that can be kind of a uh, sensitive area to get into with content. So we'll see. We'll play it by ear what's going on there. But the main thing is here on the podcast, just trying to um, crank out two of these a week in between uh, my real job, which is doing, you know, uh, television, video production work uh, outside of YouTube, not just that stuff, uh, and uh, family and life and fixing stuff and all that world. Um, life hit yesterday. I came back from a job out of town in Michigan, decided to go fishing last night, dropped a boat in the water, fired it up, soon as I fired the motor up, engine light comes on, and I notice it's running very, very rough. It's got a knock to it, like a cylinder is not firing. I was just like, man, I've been fishing before I left. Everything was running fine, finished up running fine. And uh, I thought maybe something weird was going on with the electronics, the initial startup procedure. Turned it off, let reset it, reset the computer, Turned it on, let everything prime up, motor starts up, boom, it's 
running fine. Open up the cowling, look at the motor. I noticed some fuel at the bottom of the high-pressure fuel filter. And uh, it, it, it's, it's on the bottom of the filter, not exactly where the hose is, and it's not running down from the top. And the filters on these Suzuki motors are almost stamped together. It looks like there's two pieces to them. I'm thinking maybe that thing is somehow busted loose. So anyway, I pulled the boat out of the water. And this is at night, by the way, guys. I'm trying to do some night fishing videos. And I got out there right at dark. Already had bait. Didn't need to catch bait. And uh, so I drive the thing all the way home. Get it back into uh, my little boat port out here. And uh, open it up. Put it on the hose. Fire the motor up. Get it under pressure. Nothing. Not a thing. No fuel. No nothing. Can't make it leak. So, what am I going to do? It's 10 o'clock at night. <clears throat> I've already taken a nice nap when I got home. I'm going to be wide awake. I go driving back to the lake, back to the boat ramp, put the boat in the water, go fishing. Runs fine all night. Can't get it to leak any more fuel. Can't get the fuel to show up. So, you know, again, it's life. Oh, oh, I have to throw into one more thing that makes the life story even more interesting. <clears throat> My... One of my deep cycle batteries is shot, not worth it. As soon as I, the way my boat is set up on the battery situation, I have a cranking battery. All the cranking battery does is charge or is crank the boat, period. I have another battery that runs all of my electronics and uh, live wells, bilge pump, that kind of thing. Then I have another battery that's up at the front that just runs the trolling motor. What happens is um, I kind of rotate these batteries through, and uh, this one had lived a nice long life. It was two and a half years old, uh, which is pretty good. Most of mine make it about two years on average, so this one kind of upped my average a little bit, and it's going to keep me right there to two two year average. I use Walmart deep cycle batteries. I think the uh, bang for the buck is the best around. We'll save that for another podcast. I'll go into depth on that. But uh, that battery was dead. So <clears throat> I was down to one battery, had to take the one from the front, move it to the back. And it was just one of those days. And uh, But we all have them. And that's part of that's part of life. That's part of fishing. Uh, I know a lot of you guys, all you see is the good stuff encapsulated in a uh, video on YouTube. And it looks like, uh, man, everything went wonderful. Uh, I went fishing, caught a bunch of fish. We all know that uh, life sometimes kicks you in the teeth. And, hey, man, that's just the way it goes. Blessed to be fishing, blessed to be alive, blessed to be mobile. So uh, I'm thankful and grateful and appreciative for all that. And uh, it's a pretty cool problem to have uh, when you your only real thing to complain about is you can't figure out why your boat's running right. So if, if that's all I've got to complain about, Thank you, Lord. Uh, you've you've given me a pretty good life. So anyway, <clears throat> that's my um, that's my diatribe there on uh, the 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 hard kicks and dealings of life. Uh, what I'm going to talk about today is, uh, and I got this idea from uh, Tom Rowland, who uh, has a podcast that I listen to religiously, and uh, he did a podcast today that came up. Uh, uh, it was talking about fishing guides, not exactly what I'm talking about, but some other stuff. And uh, somebody was asking for some fishing guide advice. And uh, I figured what I'm going to do is uh, talk about basically 
how to pick a fishing guide, a catfish guide specifically, but really, honestly, a lot of this applies to any type of fishing guide. Uh, there's a lot of folks out there, uh, myself included, that will go somewhere. You don't have a boat. You don't have fishing gear. Don't know your way around. Waters you've never fished. A style of fishing you've never done. And you're going to hire a fishing guide. And uh, if you've never done it, uh, well, it can be a little bit intimidating, uh, to say the least. Uh, because if you're like me, you want to get the right person. You want to do it the right way. Uh, you want to get the person that's kind of well-suited for you. And sometimes that can be hard, uh, especially when you get into some areas where you don't know people, don't have any contacts. And that's kind of some of the stuff I'm going to talk about. Well, obviously, one of the first things is, who do you call? Well, Luckily, in today's world of the internet, there's a lot of options, uh, and there's a lot of places to look and a lot of information out there. Um, I'll start with, there are some booking services. There are some actual companies, uh, I think Fishbooker uh, is one of them, uh, that actually book fishing guides. Uh, and basically what they are is a clearinghouse for different guides. They act as uh, the contact point, the point of contact. But it's one thing you'll learn with fishing guides, and this is something to remember with all of them, when you reach out to them, whether it be a phone call, text message, email, don't expect to hear back from them quickly. You will most likely hear back from them that evening. That is kind of the general uh, way it works. Most of these guys are out, uh, especially when you get to saltwater guys and guys that are in extremely high demand, busy areas. Uh, they're working. They're fishing during the day. They're catching bait. They come home have dinner with the family, relax, take care of the boat, whatever needs to be done. And generally, they get back to you in the evening. That's kind of their uh, last thing they do, uh, sitting around relaxing. Uh, return phone calls, return text messages. So don't feel like somebody doesn't like you or they're ignoring you. Uh, just be patient and understand that they're most likely out fishing, uh, learning the waters and figuring out what needs to be done uh, when you reach out to them uh, during the day on your lunch break, that kind of thing. Um, but there's a lot of different ways to find guys. The fishing services basically book people for the guys. The guides pay them a percentage of the guide trip fee and they handle all the logistics of pairing the people up, getting the time slot, all that kind of stuff. Now, this is a fairly easy, uh, straightforward uh, way to go. Eliminates a lot of the uh, uh, a lot of the back and forth and the phone calls and the texts and the changing stuff around. Uh, and the other good thing about it is the other positive is uh, that you're dealing with uh, the these services. These booking services are dealing with reputable guides. You're, for the most part, uh, you can pretty much rest assured that they don't want to be paired up with bad guides, and they usually have a pretty good vetting process before they take people on board and book trips for them. So you kind of have that going for you in, um, in doing that. Now, with that said, one of the negatives to using one of the services is you may not be getting the best fishing guide in the area. And uh, what I'm getting at there is a lot of the best fishing guides, uh, a lot of the guys who are good and have a good reputation, don't use these services to book trips. They have uh, enough customers, enough repeat customers, enough word of mouth uh, 
referrals that they don't need to give up part of their guide fee to a referral service uh, for handling the stuff for them. So positive and negative to both. Uh, if you want something quick, easy, down and dirty um, and to get the job done and get out there and go fishing, go with one of the booking services. And uh, it, it's a quick, easy way to do it. Uh, if you're looking for, you know, the best of breed, the best on the water, uh, the man in a certain area, you might have to dig a little deeper. And that's where utilizing the internet, social media, heck, even contacting me, depending on where you're going. Uh, I, a lot of times, I know a lot of guys in a lot of different areas. Uh, if you have ever fished with a fishing guide somewhere, uh, even if, say, you're heading down to the Carolina coast and you're looking for somebody to go fishing down there and you've only fished with somebody down in, say, Florida or maybe up in Maryland, hit that guide up and ask them. You'd be amazed how many guides know other guides and know other people in other areas. And that type of networking will get you better contacts and better guides than probably anything else you can do. That networking is the best way to go. If you reach out to me and you're looking for a catfishing guide on Santee Cooper, Lake Gaston, Kerr Lake, James River, uh, down in Georgia, Alabama, uh, Tennessee. I know guides in all those areas that, you know, I could refer you to in areas that I don't fish. So that's another option. You can do some looking on some of the uh, Facebook pages, but I'll be honest with you, um, I think you'll get referrals more from customers and people that know them than you will actually find in the guides. Most of the guides don't frequent those pages, to be perfectly honest. Uh, most of them uh, usually don't have time and uh, they realize they're better off not getting mired up in some of the, uh, well, the stuff that goes on in those places. So, so that's what I would do. Work with, start with guides that you've worked with before. Maybe if you got somebody local and try to reach out from there, networking around and seeing what's what. Uh, obviously, you can always do the Google searches, and you'll, uh, you know, you'll you'll get responses for what Google thinks you need to see. That can be good. That can be bad. Uh, you, that's where you really have to use your own judgment and kind of figure out and spend some time. If you're going to do it yourself, spend some time doing some looking and finding somebody that fits what you're trying to do. And what I mean by that is. People hire guides for different reasons. Uh, I, I've always said that they there's kind of different categories of people, uh, and I've talked with my friends that guide, and they all kind of agree. You've got people <clears throat> that are, uh, you book a trip because you want to fill a cooler. There are people that if they pay $500 for a catfishing trip, they won't $500 worth of fillets in a cooler. And obviously you can't get $500 worth of fillets. But my point is they want a bunch of fish in the cooler so that A, they got a bunch of food to take home and B, they can justify it with their wife when they get back that spending that much money was a good idea. Uh, I say that jokingly, but I've actually heard that from people before that uh, their wife was getting upset that they were coming home from these fishing trips with no fish and they thought something uh, uh, fishy was going on. So that's one group you have. Those are the ones that want to fill a cooler. You have some people that want to learn uh, and they book a guide to learn a particular water, a particular technique, a particular style of fishing. Uh, guides love 
these type customers because um, generally they're pretty good fishermen. They're wanting to become fish, better fishermen and uh, they realize that the the actual learning process is more important than what you actually catch on that trip. Um, there's another group that, honestly, they want to learn the guide spots. Uh, they, 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 they'd love to catch some fish, but they're actually hoping that the guide has a somewhat of a bad day and he goes to all his greatest places to try to find fish. Uh, they're spot stealers. There are literally people like that. And, uh, they, uh, that's what they're doing. They're just trying to, you know, find spots. I've talked to guides and they know these people. They kind of tell, you know, they're a lot of times fumbling around on their phone and dropping pins and marking GPS spots and everything else. And uh, the guides will tell you. They'll see them out there a week later, a few days later, you know, whatever. And listen, if you're looking for spots like that, uh, my suggestion is be honest about it. You know, if you're looking for places to fish, there may be times when a guy's struggling to catch fish, and yeah, he may cash in some of his tournament holes, uh, some of his really good places, uh, some places that don't get pounded a lot that aren't community holes. And uh, because what you, and the reason I say be honest, if you let these guys know, hey, listen, I'm just looking for some spots when I come down here that I can catch some fish. They'll show you where the community holes are, where the common places are, to where you're going to catch fish, you know, a pretty good percentage of the time. Uh, and the reason I say do this is because it's good to build that relationship with a fishing guide. Uh, you know, even if you don't plan to hire him every time you go fishing. Uh, because let's face it, you may need some tips one day. You may, may need a referral from him to another guide. Uh, you know... You may be stranded out there on the water, and he may be your only hope for getting back. Uh, it's good to treat these guys with some respect and understand that this is how they make their living and uh, trying to, uh, you know, basically steal their places. Eh, there's a little bit of ethical uh, stuff there that I don't particularly like, but it is what it is. Uh, it's public water, and it's public fishing, so... Let your own con, let your conscience uh, be the guide there. Be the guide. There was no pun intended there. Uh, the other group that guides love sometimes is the uh, party people. They just want to go out and have a good time. They don't really care about catching fish. They just a uh, group of guys, group of gals, want to go out, bachelor party, bachelorette party, uh, a group from work. They're just having fun fishing. And, uh, my whole point in all these different types, let the guide know what you're doing, uh, what your intent is. It, it, it helps with, a lot of times, the way they can tailor their fishing uh, to suit you and make your experience out there with them much more pleasurable and give you more bang for your buck. Uh, you know, if you're looking to catch a big fish, you know, just the biggest fish you've ever, you're a trophy hunter, you know, let them know that. You know, also be forewarned that if that is what you're after, then expect to get skunked expect to not catch fish and if that's if you truly understand that let them know that say hey i want to catch i want to try to catch a 50 pound flathead i realize we will probably get skunked but that's what i want to go for you tell a guide that they will make it happen uh and that's the big thing let them know what you're trying to do if you're just hey if you just if all you want to do is see a rod bend just let them know and they will take you on a, you know, what I call the the guide fishing. Uh, you hear me say that in my YouTube videos. I'm going guide fishing. 
you're trying to catch fish. Uh, hoping to catch a big one, fishing in an area that has some big fish, but you want to catch, you know, you want to see some rods spin. Now, another thing is what to bring. Uh, generally speaking, uh, and, and check with each guide on this, but if you're fishing with a reputable guide and a good guide, you really don't need to bring any fishing gear. Uh, leave that to them. I know some people want to bring their favorite rod or, or this. And, you know, if you're going fly fishing, something like that, okay, I can understand that. I can see that. But a lot of times when you're dealing with striper guides, catfish guides, um, you know, you're probably going to be better off sticking with their tackle and their gear. One, it's right. It works. Uh, and two, they know what they're dealing with. Uh, the other thing is, you start bringing a whole bunch of other stuff on the boat, space is limited, they've already got their gear, you show up with six rods, it starts to turn into a cluttered mess. So, uh, generally speaking, fishing tackle, they've got you covered. Usually most of them, and obviously check with them, uh, bring something to drink, bring some sun sunscreen. If you're fishing in an area that's prone to weather, bring some rain gear. Uh, these guys don't carry uh, a pile of rain gear. At best, you may get a plastic poncho, uh, but bring rain gear, especially if you're fishing in Florida, any of these areas that are prone to afternoon thunderstorms. Um, and wear some sunscreen. Uh, preferably put the sunscreen on before you get there. Uh, there is nothing guides hate worse than seeing somebody jump on the boat, whoop out a can of spray sunscreen, and start spraying the stuff everywhere. Uh, one spray sunscreen is meant to be sprayed onto the skin and then rubbed in. Uh, so if you do it right, at best, you're getting it on you. Then you're getting the sunscreen all over your hands. Then you're getting the sunscreen all over their fishing rods. So it's not a good deal. Take care of that at your hotel, back at your house, wherever. Get your sunscreen on then. Their thing is they don't like the, the sunscreen generally on the water, the spray stuff. It goes everywhere. Uh, it's bad for the upholstery on the seats. It can discolor the decks on the boat. And a lot of them will not be in a very good mood if you do that. So take care of your sunscreen before you get there. Uh, as far as drinks, food, bring drinks, bring food. Check with your guide. Generally, most guides have a cooler on the boat. Uh, ideally, what I tell people to do is bring your drinks in like a little grocery bag, your food. I've got a cooler. You can put it in my cooler. Reason for that being you show up with a cooler. They've got a cooler. Your buddy's got a cooler with him. Uh, you know, the, boats have limited space again. Uh, three or four coolers all over the place. Just clutter up the place. Uh, make it a lot more trouble to get around and just more stuff in the way, more of your fishing room, more of your floor space taken up. So check with your guide on that. Generally, uh, most of them will have a cooler that you can put stuff in, and they'll appreciate uh, you asking about that. Um, another thing as far as bringing something, uh, bring some sunglasses uh, and, and make sure you're dressed in a way to deal with the sun. Some boats are going to have... Uh, you know, a bimini top, a T-top, something like that. Uh, unless you're out, you know, flats fishing, something like that. And if you're doing that, that's a whole different ball game. I probably don't have to explain it to you. But if you're kind of new to booking a guide, remember you're going to be in the sun. Um, it may seem like a good idea showing up in a tank top, peeling your shirt off, you know, showing your pecs off to everybody. 
But after about six or eight hours of that, you're probably going to be sunburnt. You're going to be miserable. You're going to be hating life. And you're probably going to want to go home. And then you're going to make the rest of the people in your party mad. So come prepared for the sun. Generally speaking, it's going to beat you. Most people who are kind of new to fishing, new to booking fishing guides are doing it in, you know, better summer weather uh, as part of a vacation trip, something like that. So make sure you're dressed appropriately. And again, rain gear is always something good to have in case you get caught in one of those downpours. Even when it's warm, uh, getting soaking wet, temperature typically drops 15 to 20 degrees when you have a storm come in, or at least 15 degrees. It's a big difference riding around wet and miserable, especially if it stays cloudy after a storm rolls through. It's not fun. So, Another topic of conversation is tips. Uh how much do you tip? Do you tip? Uh, and this is a uh, this is this is one that if you do any research on it, you're going to get a lot of answers. Uh, generally speaking, yes, you tip. Tips are appreciated. Now, with that said, we'll kind of widen the, the discussion up here in some different categories. Uh, when you go on to, we'll start with the bigger boats. These are the ones, the offshore boats, that will have a captain and a mate, maybe multiple mates, depending on how big it is. That is where tips become really important and really appreciated. The guys who are uh, helping you get your rods out, helping you land fish, baiting your hook, tying up the tackle when you break it off, those mates don't get paid a lot of money. They rely heavily, much of their income is heavily dependent on tipping. Uh, and you need to keep that in mind. Uh, generally, the, the captain of the boat, owner of the boat, is uh, getting most of the money for the booking. He's paying a minimal amount to the mates, and the mates are paid, uh, a big part of their money comes from tips. Now, in that world, that's a different world. Uh, it's a bigger money world than your typical small, smaller charter. Uh, it's a lot more money. Typically, the people that do that have a lot more money, and they're very understanding of that world of fishing. At least most of them are. And uh, they understand that if they're going to pay $1,000 to go out fishing, they're going to have a couple hundred dollars to hand out in tips to the mates on the boat. And that's just factored in to the price of it. Uh, people just factor that in to, instead of looking at, oh, it's only costing me $1,000, you kind of figure in you're going to have a tip included in it. Uh, <clears throat> it's good to do. Uh, the guides, uh, the, the mates appreciate it. Uh, I won't say that they expect it, but they dang sure hope for it. And... Uh, Especially if you ever plan to go back again, ever fish with them again, uh, it's a good idea and you will be amazed how much they remember it. I don't care what guides tell you, uh, guides, mates, remember who the good tippers are. And uh, if you plan to go back, uh, they will remember it and the, uh, the service may get even better the next time. So... Uh, that's kind of the way I look at it on the big boats. Uh, smaller smaller charters, um, it's probably not as big a deal because if it's just you and a uh, going out with just a captain on you know on a boat going for stripers, catfish, uh, saltwater fishing, inshore, that kind of stuff, 
Um, he, he's obviously getting all the money. Now, with that said, uh, tips are dang sure appreciated. And a lot of people who book trips with these guides will go with them repeatedly. And like I said earlier, guides do remember. Uh, they, they, there's, it's not like they write it down and, and, and make a note, but it sticks out in their head. Uh, it just kind of rings a bell of, wow, you know, he handed me a hundred dollar bill at the end of a, you know, $500, you know, inshore trip. That's a significant amount of money, a significant increase, uh, in how much money they're taking home. And I will guarantee you that the next time, uh, that you go out with them, they will remember it and they will make an extra effort to make your trip as memorable and as enjoyable as it was the first time. So is there a percentage? Uh, is it like going to a restaurant and paying 15%? Uh, that's where things vary greatly. Uh, obviously the whole 15% tipping in a restaurant was based on kind of a salary that you know, restaurant wait staff are being paid and it's a little different formula. Uh, I will say this, if you can afford and feel that 15% is, uh, is something you can pay and you got that kind of service from somebody, I guarantee you, they will remember you, they will appreciate it, and that will be more than enough. Uh, you know, is it less? I've heard different numbers. Uh, and I, 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 I don't know that there's anything really really traditional or cast in stone um, with that kind of thing. Obviously, you know, some trips uh, are better than others. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I have probably <laughs> almost in guilt and feeling bad tipped almost more when the guides have not done. I remember one in particular. I went striper fishing with a guide on Lake Lanier years ago. We were down there seeing family. Didn't want to pull my boat. I booked a fishing trip with this guy. Uh, and it took my father-in-law, and we went out striper fishing. Uh, he was very upfront. He said, listen, the bite's not good right now. He said, we're going to struggle to find fish. I said, that's cool. I said, I don't care. I'm going more for my father-in-law. On that day, and it was a winter day uh, when the bite had not made its turn yet back to good, I got a tour of Lake Lanier. I think I seen every cove, every bridge, every point on Lake Lanier in Georgia. And that guy burned a pile of gas. Uh, I think we fished an hour over the allotted time because he was trying to get on fish. We caught a few fish. I mean, it was, it was pretty bad. And uh, it's not for lack of trying. When you fish enough, you know when a guy's busting his tail. This guy busted his tail. We burned through a lot of bait. Uh, I think he had enough bait in his tank for two trips, and I think we burned through because we were dropping fresh bait every place we came to, and it just didn't happen. I mean, it, it just was not working. We could not get on anything, and I tipped him graciously, Fred. He burned a lot of gas. Uh, he, he burned a lot of gas covering that lake that day. So, you know, you can tell when somebody's really trying. You can tell when somebody's going the extra mile, and, uh, you know, it, you know, Tip what you can afford. Uh, if you can do 15%, they'll greatly appreciate it. Don't feel like that's the benchmark, though. It's not the same as the food industry. If you can do 10%, that's very gracious and usually works out to a uh, a, a very good tip for them. Uh, but, hey, you know, if you get out there and, you know, uh, it's bad, bad, and they show up late, 
they don't have bait. Uh, they're on their phone talking about something the whole time instead of providing the education and entertainment. That's the job. Listen, they, you know, that, that is what it is. And that, that'll happen. I think though, most guides, uh, you'll be shocked with the level, uh, people are fishing guides for a reason. Uh, and it is, it's not to get rich. It's generally because they love it. Uh, they love entertaining people. They love putting people on fish. And I think most of them are going to bend over backwards or at least give you a very good day on the water, a day on the water that you would give yourself or somebody else if you're out there. So the tipping, try to do it. Uh, I suggest that I think it's a good idea. Uh, I think it, it, it just fuels uh, uh, something for the future, especially if you try going back with some of these guides and fishing with them again. And uh, so, yeah, that's kind of my uh, tips on guides. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. I had a bunch of notes here. Uh, if you guys think of anything, uh, you know, obviously go to DieterMillhornFishing.com. Send me an email, question. If you're ever planning on fishing an area and looking for a guide, uh, hit me up. I'll, uh, if I know somebody in that area, uh, I'll send you to them. If uh, I don't know anybody in that area, know somebody close, I'll send you to them and see if they know somebody. So uh, it's, uh, I had a dream at one point on my guide, on the guide section for my fishing of having a list of guides in different areas. And I may still do that. That may be something that I do. Uh, it's put up some links to other guides on my webpage. That may be something good. Uh, if you guys think that would be a cool idea of kind of people in different lakes, different areas, different lakes that I like. Uh, I may do that, kind of my own little clearinghouse resource of people, and uh, yeah, just some little tip things, so very good, folks. I hope that's some uh, good information for you. I hope you enjoyed this podcast, and uh, we'll catch you on the water. <laughs>